Hi everyone, welcome back to the Outliers podcast. I'm your host Pankaj Mishra and we are back with a new season of Outliers called the season of resilience. These are uncertain times and everyone is trying to cope with uncertainties, anxiety and so many unanswered questions. We thought we could be useful to all of you by doing a fresh series of conversations with Outliers and some new guests please stay safe and i really hope all of us get out of this stronger and more resilient thank you i am really privileged to be doing this conversation with anand deshpande uh, who is the founder of persistent over three decades anand has built persistent into uh you know what can i say battle hard and uh, a great institution that uh, you know a lot of founders i meet they look up to anand welcome to the podcast thank you pankaj i do wish uh, the setting around us was uh, much better but uh, hope to get out of it very soon yes maybe something good will come out of it yes yes hopefully So Anand uh, we have done a conversation with you before but uh, this series of conversation is about resilience and one of the first you know names that came to my mind was yours because you have uh, steered persistent through uh, different cycles of uh, disruptions slowdowns and so on and now we are going to be facing this so just to kick off this conversation Anand uh, from what you see around us how do you read everything no so see right now business is down right lot of uh, uh, clearly we are in this 21 day shutdown starting today being the first day for the next 21 days many of us uh, will not be able to get out of our houses and trade commerce business is all going to suffer at the moment um uh, so definitely these are hard times for every one of us uh that said you know some businesses of course will do better because of the specific conditions in which their businesses are but we all have to believe that you know this is going to end some day and when we come back up uh, what we do now is going to be influential in making sure that we come out at a better place when the market improves rather than come out exactly where we left it when the market went into hibernation that that's a good point to you know get into this uh, deeper conversation anand now if you you have seen downturns and you have seen crisis uh, in building persistent as well if i were to ask you what is your checklist when crisis hits uh, a founder or a company uh, can you take me deeper into that and how has that evolved over years for you uh it would be really good if you could illustrate it yes sure okay so i think i would like to classify these crises into two different kinds of crises so there are certain crises that happen because they are very specific to you in your own business so things that are very unique to persistent we did something that created uh, you know chaos for us but the market and everyone else was doing fine so that's one kind of chaos or crisis that you have to deal with and the other crisis is where everyone is in trouble 
and in some sense uh, a crisis where you are not the only one in trouble but everyone is in trouble are potentially slightly easier to deal with because everyone understands that only you are not in trouble but everyone around you is also in trouble and at that time how you deal with crisis is quite different from how you might deal with it when you are in your own individual crisis because of various reasons and of course in the last 30 years at persistent we have had opportunities to see both of those let me focus today on the ones which are related to a crisis where the whole industry is in a turmoil of different sorts and uh, you know different kinds of things happen because everyone is in that form of crisis so sure. uh, the two most important ones that i have seen i would say one would be in the 2001 two time frame which would have been just after the dot com burst so we had the whole dot com crisis and i'll explain a little bit about what happened at that time Mm-hmm. and then the second one would be the 2008 2009 crisis which was more the financial markets and uh, lehman collapse and a whole bunch of things around those and uh, today is the third one in some sense which is similar to this sort of large scale crisis where everyone was involved and everyone was in a tight spot So let me start with the 2001 crisis okay at that point persistent was a very small business we were barely about 100 people or so and maybe 125 people and then 50 people in that range we had actually hired a large bunch of people from iit and we thought we were doing very well and you know we had a lot of dot com customers at that point mostly product companies who were doing the dot com stuff it was a heady days at that time lots of money was pumped in vcs were funding businesses like crazy and we were in a right spot and we thought this would be a great opportunity for us to uh, go after the market and get business from the dot com companies but what happened was that of course you know uh, all of a sudden the the market just froze completely uh, very quickly and i can think of one example of a company where i was i visited them on a friday in palo alto and we were all ready to get started and they said okay we have a board meeting on monday morning so we'll have the board meeting on monday we have been funded everything is on track and when you come back on monday afternoon we'll uh, discuss specific project work but what happened in the overnight period was that after the board meeting the vcs who had actually funded the business felt that taking that cash back from the founders Uh, and shutting the business was better than trying to spend the business to build a product so all of a sudden you know everyone felt like everything was fine but all of a sudden within 3 hours the company basically was shut down right and in a situation like that your contract or all these things have no meaning because the company doesn't exist then who do you work with right so all of a sudden we saw a lot of these kinds of situations around that time and we were definitely into a financial tight situation we of course didn't know what to do and there is a tendency that okay when the market is down you feel like oh i'm my current customers are bailing off on me so let me go find new customers and that's sort of where you know this is very hard to do at this time and i happened to have this conversation with my friend ravi venkatesan around that time he was at comments and he was in pune and he kind of told me that hey don't go around chasing new customers right now 
because it may be very hard to find them. Nobody is going to go to you at this moment. Your better bet is to go with your existing customers. And uh, the way I interpreted that further was to go after individuals and existing companies and convince them to, you know, extend an offer hand to help them tide through these times and basically convince them that while the market is difficult, you know, we have a way that we would be supportive. The idea is we want to survive. We want you to survive and you're not going to die because of us and we're going to work together to make it happen. So that was on the customer side. On the employee side, clearly we had a bunch of situations. We had hired a lot of people and there were a whole bunch of other things going on. Uh, what we did internally was to share with all the people in the company that, hey, this is the reality. We have a problem at hand. Our customers who had signed up with us have bailed for various reasons. They may not exist. Our business has gotten cut. And at this moment, you know, we don't know what to do. So we would like to uh, work with you guys and we don't want to cut anybody and all of that stuff. But we really need to your help. So we actually a lot of employees volunteered and we did a basically a, a two-way salary cut. Mm-hmm. So on one side, we did a salary cut where we cut salaries for the senior people a lot more than we cut salaries for the junior people. But practically mm-hmm. everyone, we did a salary cut. We also did uh, a bonus uh, deferment kind of a plan there as well, saying that, okay, we will give you this money should we make the numbers that we need to make. And uh, if we made those numbers, we'll pay you. Otherwise, you run the risk of not getting paid on the bonus part of it. So, of course, we protected a percentage of the salary so that people were not uh, stressed about you know local expenses. But we were able to conserve some cash by uh, doing a whole all out, basically cutting the salaries across the company. Uh, the other thing that we did at that point was also uh, that since we now had extra capacity, right? People were sitting in the business, but not necessarily build on customer accounts. We used that opportunity to learn new things and to build out some interesting offerings, build some prototypes built some situations and kept the contact going. And uh, this one, it took us almost a year for the recovery on this particular uh, time. But in 2008, uh, we sort of did this to a game plan. So we knew exactly what the problem was. So we went after the same situation. This is 2008. What happened was um, actually the, it's kind of very hard, very easy to see the, and we were able to observe that in 2008, September, Sequoia sent out a mail to all their portfolio companies, pretty much telling them to conserve cash. And that created a cascade effect around the tech companies also, where they started to conserve cash. See, we had very few banking customers as customers at that time. So we did not have a problem of you know, our customers directly going out of business. But because everyone was in cash conservation mode and the uh, impact was beyond uh, just the financial companies. We were affected uh, in a slightly different way, but there was a big issue there at that time. But we knew, we knew we had a plan at that time. So we did the same things. One- Again. Uh-huh. Yes. Right. So we saw the second crisis in 2008. Okay. At that point, what happened was 
Of course, the financial uh, Lehman crisis happened and a bunch of other financial institutions went out of uh, business. There was sudden consolidation. So we did not have a whole lot of companies from the financial market who were our customers at that time. But uh, in uh, September 2008, Sequoia sent out a mail to all their portfolio companies, which was very widely circulated. And it said that, you know, you should basically conserve cash. And if you're building a product, if you wait it out, nothing is going to happen. You might as well save the money now and uh, wait it out rather than try to invest in R&D. So when we saw that message, clearly our uh, business got cut. Everyone uh, who was working with us started to sort of delay projects and uh, we were affected. But again, we did this very systematically at that time. So we went after all the 200 odd customers that we were working with. We would try to meet as many CEOs as possible. Uh, we had decided that if we had to give a discount, we should not give discount to the project managers who were asking for discount, but take it all the way up to the CEO board, however high you can take it up. Because you know, if you're giving a discount, that discount needs to carry with it some uh, future goodwill at least, right? So you want to make sure that people are going to pay back that discount in another time when you need one. So you want to make sure that enough people are aware that you are um, offering a discount to someone. So that was one thing we did. Uh, we again did the same salary cut business. We had to cut salaries across the board. Uh, we cut bonuses. Uh, we also did uh, this sort of training and trying to figure out if there are new things that we can do uh, in terms of learning new stuff. We also did a lot of aggressive retraining of our teams. And all of those actually helped a lot in terms of how uh, we were prepared when the market came back up. And I must say that, you know, our best growth periods for the company actually happened uh, post these difficult times. Uh, that, no, that's really inspiring to know, Anand. Uh, if you imagine a similar scenario today, right? I mean, it looks like we are set for uh, something really unprecedented. Uh, what do you make of this situation now and how, you know, to whatever extent you can share, how is this different from the other uh, crisis that you have faced in building persistent and what have you learned and how, how are you going to be any different, if at all? Um, no, so we are still following a similar uh, plan at the moment, though, as far as uh, persistent is concerned. I'm not directly running the day-to-day -day affairs of the company. So we have a CEO and a team that is uh, working with some of these kind of things. But my advice to them would be very similar. But this time, what is different in some sense is that this is much broader. Every, every individual across the world is affected by this. Uh, but in many ways, you know, it's different in the sense that many of us, at least today, are able to work from home and we are seeing uh, actually quite a bit of work happening from people working at home. And at least my productivity at this time has been pretty good. So I have been spending my time trying to do things that were on my list, but I never was able to get to for a while. But that aside, you know, I find that there is an opportunity at this moment. And the, the things that I'm telling people are, there are six things I'm telling people right now. One is, you know, you have to be around to, you have to survive the crisis to be around. When the market comes back up, you need to exist. So that is the most important thing. And for that, cash conservation is clearly the key. 
And again, uh, cash conservation doesn't necessarily mean that you uh, stop paying your bills because, uh, you know, you have to understand that uh, your spend is somebody else's. You know, if you hold somebody's money, uh, they are affected too. And you want to make sure your vendors and other suppliers also survive this uh, difficult time. But essentially, you know, figuring out what is not necessary, can that be delayed? So cash is sort of the key to survival. So making sure that you can survive. The second thing we tell everyone is that I'm telling is that you need to go take this time and uh, go meet all your customers, uh, talk to them and focus on individuals within those customers. Uh, A lot of times your customers might take decisions which are being told to them by, you know, sort of organizational wide fatwa. But each individual in the thing is under stress. They have lots of issues. They may have issues at home, whatever it is. So think about the individuals you're working with and see how you can engage with them and be nice to them and somehow build relationships. So that's the second thing I'm telling people. The third thing is on the employee side. What I find is that, you know, employees anyway know that a situation like this is going to hurt the business. So they are already aware that life's going to be tough. So I think reassuring them, telling them exactly where you are financially, uh, letting them know the truth is also very useful because otherwise they're dependent on rumors and uh, other things that they hear from the public. So getting to make sure that you have, uh, you are sharing with the, your employees the reality of where you are is the third and most important thing that I would say. And if you are able to do that, you would find it much easier to convince them to take a pay cut with you or do something of that kind, because clearly that is one important thing for survival. The fourth thing that I tell people, of course, is that they should now focus on, so they'll have some idle capacity, they'll have some extra people in their net, you know, that are not allocated to projects, certain work might change. So since you have this kind of a situation, maybe it is time to think about, uh, you know, how to make best use of it so that when the market comes back up again, uh, you are at a better spot than where you left it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the fifth thing that I tell people is, see, right now, if you're running a business, cash being a challenge, is it possible? And especially for the many Deyasara businesses that are very small ones, we are trying to see that, is there any way for you to pull forward cash now? So is it possible to offer discounts, subscriptions? So if you run a tailor business or if you run a, Barber salon, can you offer, uh, you know, a discount for the next 12 haircuts Mm. by Mm. charging them, you know, a little bit less, but charging them now for a subscription and once a month you can come and have a haircut, right? Or some things Mm. like that where you can move the money around so that you have cash now and it is for legitimate forward business so that keeps everything going. And then finally, you know, this is a time to really think about tech. So are there new business models that might happen because of these changes? Are we going to get used to working from home? So are there other new kinds of businesses, business models, tech solutions that we can engage and deploy so that businesses can be far more effective uh, in uh, these hard times? But beyond the hard times, if this becomes a norm, then you know they are better prepared. So are we more likely to see uh, you know, online classes, online education, e-training, these kinds of things might actually become 
much more feasible. So today we resisted. Next 21 days, we have no choice. Eventually, we might just start liking these things. Who knows? So are we ready to deal with a business that looks very different? And that would be my other situation that I would think about. Uh, Anand, one more thing about uh, the crisis and these different cycles is that as a founder or as someone who is involved uh, in building a company, uh, you know, the scars on the journey can be something, right? So what I'm trying to understand is how do you come out of this as a sane individual every time? Because a lot of decisions you have to make, uh, you know, some of those may be unpleasant decisions and, and so on. Now, it I'm sure it impacts us as individuals. So in your no, experience, no, no, absolutely. how have you come out? Yeah. So how no, have you, you come out from this? Correct. So the situation is that you don't always come out the way you left it, right? There are scars and you will carry those scars for the rest of your life. There is no doubt about it. I think the important thing is that if you are fair, transparent and honest, right? Uh, you do it, you do what you must do, but you do it with uh, full understanding, everybody being aware of what's doing, you're being fair about it and not being uh, dishonest about these things will give you one uh, lot more confidence in executing to your plan. But more importantly, it will also help maintain culture and sanity within your organization because everyone realizes that there are things that need to be done. Some of them are going to be unpleasant, but you know that they are not happening because of the whims and fancies of individuals, but they are happening because uh, you know there is a transparent process that was followed. And if you do these things right, you will sleep well. And I think you'll all come out much stronger on the other side of this crisis than be in a situation where you come into an ad hoc situation or you are not prepared. So you make certain decisions without thinking through the consequences in them. Hmm. Now, Anand, I, I, I know that you are not actively involved in persistent now. But I'm sure you have been in the war rooms at different points in time. And you also come across as someone who is very focused on processes and you seem to break down things very simply. Now, if can you break it down for us, Anand? Can you get more granular in terms of if there is a crisis, you are a founder, uh, what are the five, ten things uh, you should do? People talk of scenario planning and so on. Uh, what is your war room like? No, so one, I already shared with you six things that I do. Yes. That I told you about what small businesses or anyone for that matter should be thinking about. Let me tell you the process part of what I tend to think about in many of these things. So I, I like using mind maps a lot, right? So what I find is that if you have a situation where you are dealing with in this one or any other crisis, I I certainly believe that, you know, when you're making a decision, you are choosing amongst a set of possible options. So what I prefer to do is to make a list of all possible things that play, play the scenario. So what could I do now? I could do this. I could do that. And I could, you know, do one activity or the second activity or third activity. So normally the number of possible different things that you could do is usually limited. And if someone you know, is in a brainstorming meeting and you put a, on a board, okay, so we have to make decisions along cost cutting. What are our options? One could be, yeah, we could squeeze salaries, we could cut people, we could do this, we could do that. 
So there'll be a list of things that you can come up with. So thinking through all of these and enumerating all these kinds of different options so that then you know that you have not missed anything, you are making a sensible decision and you can show other people under the options that you considered. And then of course you make a decision that is appropriate. So I like to have a model where I invite opinions from people, but I don't believe decision-making should happen in committees. So everyone, as a decision-maker or the entrepreneur in the business, your job is to listen to everyone, consider all the options, maybe lay them out, and then pick one, but be decisive on those. Because not making a decision is not uh, an option for the, the founder of the business. Hmm. No, that's very well articulated, Anand. Uh, one more practical uh, insight I needed from you is in all these situations, a founder has to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations, be it employees or vendors and, and so on. Uh, what is What are the best ways to have those conversations in your experience, Anand? Um, so uh, I'll tell you a few ideas on this one. So one is uh, think through the conversation. So play along the options that you have. uh, Figure out what are the pros and cons. Do those scenarios. If you said a certain thing, how would people look at it? And all of those kinds of things. So play the discussion in your mind first. Maybe even write it down. So that is one uh, suggestion. The second thing that you need to do is to uh, be very fair and transparent and share with the other person very clear well-defined reasons why you are doing certain things. So you write it down, you tell him or tell her that, okay, these are the situations, these these are the parameters under which I'm making a decision. And this is the decision I want to make. And don't be wishy-washy about those decisions. So be very clear, concise, and do not indulge in any other kind of discussion, uh, you know, because then you get into all kinds of complexity. So keep the decision focused, keep the discussion very clear in terms of what is happening. Let everyone know what is happening. Give everyone a chance to say what they want. But, you know, be very firm about what you have thought through and make sure you have thought through some of these things. I also find that in a situation where you have to make very difficult decisions, having someone else along with you uh, often helps. So trying to do, a, instead mm-hmm. of doing a one-on-one, Uh, get a coach or get someone who can sit through these decisions just to be an observer often helps that ensures that people are not into, you know, it doesn't get personal. People don't get into all kinds of crazy things and all of that stuff. And very important to make this a adult conversation rather than, you know, get into, you know, things that are all, all over the place. So best not to accuse anybody of anything. Um, you don't want to get very personal on some of these things. You have to be a little bit clinical when you do these kinds of discussions. Okay. Uh, On a more final note, Anand, uh, we talked about uh, what it means for individuals and founders to come out of this crisis. But for organizations and companies, uh, what does it mean for culture? And with every of these downturns or crises, how do you ensure that... uh, if the company is coming out of it, uh, the culture remains intact uh, or what changes does it go through in your experience? No, so there's a very nice book that uh, Ben Horowitz has, which is more recent, 
where he talks about culture is all about what you do not what you say so during mm. hard times like we will see now uh, i think how you behave and what you do to your company how you behave on s- small things is going to have an impact on your culture so as i say again you know in this model in this world right it's kind of very important to be transparent be very fair and honest so you need to let people know uh, you know what are the conditions under which you are making certain decisions it should not be very uh, sort of you don't want to shoot from the from your hip just randomly you want to think through all of the stuff have a scenario have a worked out plan and be fair okay because i think people are okay about uh, accepting certain challenges and certain situations if they realize that they are not being uh, isolated victimized or any of those things but whatever is happening is happening in a fair and transparent way so i think this is a time to where the culture is going to be put to test uh, all founders are going to be pushed in terms of making decisions making hard decisions and how you respond in these kinds of situations will go a long way in building a culture where everyone trusts and supports each other or they sort of are very suspicious of each other because uh, they don't know what might be happening in closed rooms so being very transparent open sharing communicative these are things you should do now so i know you have to do hard things but do them um, openly rather than uh, in kind of closed ideas you know be a little bit transparent about this hmm and final point anand a lot of early stage founders are in this situation and they are wondering if they should uh, pull a plug uh, because you know the cash flows are not there revenue models are not established and so on so a lot of them are also looking at this crisis as an opportunity to decide whether they should move on or not what is your decision making of for such questions yes uh, i think uh, you know one should let me say this way i think one should not feel like it's a failure if they had to pull the plug okay so um, i think you have to do what is right for your business and at certain points because of change circumstances because of the fact that uh, the cash flows may have become different there is not enough money in the system or whatever you might have to pull a plug and sometimes uh, that's not the worst thing you would do because you will come back stronger or uh, trying to keep a dying business from dying can also be very difficult so uh, my suggestion to you is that these are hard calls you may have to take them but i am not the one who is going to advocate that you must uh, you know keep the business alive at all costs you got to do what is right and while you do what is to be done and what is right uh, you know think about all the options and don't see the fact that you decided to move on as a failure it's just that you are trying to get ready to come back another day so that's how i would see this this uh, really helps anand i you know this is the kind of conversation i believe will help uh, many of the listeners so thanks so much for your time yeah my pleasure uh, pankaj i wish you all the very best i hope we don't have to see these times again and again but uh, you know these are the hard times that make us stronger so Uh, this is going to be a test for the entrepreneurs but any it will all help us get better so let's use it that way